Welcome to Small Acts of Living, a podcast that helps you find balance using Ayurveda. I am back and this is episode 10 where I talk about what brings yoga and Ayurveda together, what unites these two powerful practices together and what makes them complementary. So in this episode I'll be talking about how we can use both yoga and Ayurveda to get back to our true selves and by that I basically mean to get back to a balanced state. So like I said the essence of what Ayurveda and yoga are about is the same and that's to get to the deeper layers of the self to reveal our inner light or our inner essence that's within all of us. Now this inner essence or I guess you could say our true self is kind of hidden or maybe corrupted by so many different things. And one thing that can really disrupt it is what we consume, and I'll get onto that part a bit later. But both of these practices give us a way to get back to the truth of who we are, so we can feel really aligned about what makes us who we are, our purpose in life and what we enjoy. And it also affects, you know, how we feel about our day-to-day lives, whether that's how we feel about our friends, our jobs, our partners or family. Because really all of this is just within our perspective. Our perspective dictates how we feel about the world around us. And our perspective is really influenced by what we consume, not just through food and and drink, but also through our eyes, our ears and our nose. So how does Ayurveda help us get back to our true selves? You know, what is it that I mean when I say this? And what Ayurveda does is it helps us get to a balanced state by adopting things like seasonal routines with our diet and lifestyle and making sure we're eating the right foods to give us ojas, which basically means our life essence, our inner essence. A lot about Ayurveda is learning how to calm the nervous system, basically, to keep the body channels open and keep this free flow of movement so that nothing becomes blocked or stagnated or overflowing. So as a result of this, we become more balanced in our body and mind as things are flowing and moving through the body as they should. And as a result, we actually become more in line with who we truly are, rather than when we're made to feel, let's say, restless or agitated, or in Ayurvedic terms, we would say rajastic, or maybe we eat something and it gives us a downer energy, which is what we call tamastic. So rajastic behavior is when you're in that kind of mood, when you're like anxious or restless, you feel a bit wired, a bit hyped up, agitated, And there are certain foods and drinks that can increase rajastic qualities and it's not necessarily the ones you might think. So rajastic foods can include things like eggs, chilies or hot spices, chicken, tea, coffee, alcohol, all of the stimulants, excessive salt or refined sugar, garlic and onion, red meat and something like cacao. So when we eat these foods, they also drink these foods, they stimulate the mind and create movement and desire. So they can make us more aggressive, more restless, more chatty, more wild, and more energetic. And basically, they can really change our state of being. They can really cause an effect on our nervous system. So you can imagine, if you're already an anxious or highly sensitive person, when you consume an excess of these foods, it's only going to make that worse. Um, And there are also rajastic activities as well. So for example, scrolling on your phone is rajastic activity. And so is something like running really fast or doing hit classes. Staying up late is also rajastic. 
or watching too much TV, basically anything that's too overstimulating. Now on the other side of the scale, you have tamastic foods, which instead of bringing our energy up, it brings our energy down. So tamastic state is a bit like, you feel like there's a weight on your body that pulls your mental and physical energy to the ground. So tamastic foods are things like fast food or fried food, frozen and canned foods, anything that's microwaved, anything that's processed, stale food or leftovers, alcohol, mushrooms and red meat. So if we eat too many tamastic foods, then we can actually feel depressed, lethargic, stuck in a rut and lazy. And to me, this makes a lot of sense. Because if you think about it, if you're eating foods that are left over or frozen, then they've lost that vital energy or prana that we then absorb into our bodies. So instead, we just absorb this dead or flattened energy that goes into our body and mind too and affects how we are and affects how we perceive the world. So if you're someone who suffers with depression or low energy or mood, there's so much you can change with your diet to help you. I always remember that series on TV with Gillian McKeith. Um, and although she didn't particularly look like the pinnacle of health, she was right when she said that we are what we eat. Or rather, to put it another way, our energetic state is what we eat. And, you know, whether or not we have this rajastic high energy or this tamastic low energy, both sides of the scale take us away from our true balanced state of being. And this is something I personally really discovered and noticed when I started to understand and practice Ayurveda. I just basically realised how much of all these things were having an impact on me. And now sometimes I test myself. So if I eat leftovers, for example, I see whether I'm feeling a little bit sluggish afterwards. Or if I have a cup of coffee, I wait to see how it affects my mood or whether I feel anxious or a little bit restless, which usually does happen. So you can really see, using these two principles, how food affects you if you just tune in. And really, this is only relevant to those people who have ongoing health issues that they want to fix. We can't all become totally obsessive about these rajastic and domestic qualities. But like I said, it's more about being aware. So if you have anxiety or things like ADHD or OCD, or you just generally feel really restless and overwhelmed, then one of the ways to calm yourself down is by changing your diet and changing your behavior. Similarly, if you have depression, then you can literally lift yourself up. You can lift your energy up by changing the foods you're eating. So it's this real inner focus and attention that Ayurveda brings that actually allows me to talk about the subject of yoga and how these two things are so similar. So to me, yoga is all about tuning in to how the movement, to how the asanas and the flow between the asanas is affecting your mind and body. So when I teach, I often have my students pausing in mountain pose so they can take time to focus on any subtle changes they might be experiencing. If we don't pause, then they can go unnoticed. So sometimes if you're in a really fast moving, almost like yoga for fitness classes or something like that, where there's loud music and you're just moving from one pose to the next without actually stopping and paying attention, then you're not really able to tune in. You're not really able to notice the changes. And I think that's the whole point of yoga. So it's not about flexibility. It's not a workout. And it's not even really about whether you can do the pose. It's about learning how to tune in, just like Ayurveda shows us, to notice what's happening in the body and mind, and also to try to keep your mind super calm. So even if your mind is chatting to you during your practice, saying, I can't do yoga, or I'm not flexible, 
or perhaps you just drift off thinking about something else that's happening in your life, the key challenge is to bring your attention back into the body so that you can soften the mind, like have a distance from what it's telling you and not become part of its chatter. That's exactly the same as if we eat rajastic foods and when you have this real bodily awareness, you start realizing that actually that's not really you. That might be the coffee that you've just had or it might be the massive plate of scrambled eggs you've just eaten or whatever it is. You just, there's this like differentiation or this space where you realize, wait, that's not actually me. So in yoga, you really come back into your body by tuning in and focusing on the strength of the posture. And you can really calm yourself down by doing that. You calm your nervous system down and you just become so immersed in the purity of your true self. And that's why it's so beautiful. And this, I think, is how yoga should be explained. So it's not about looking good on Instagram or whether you can stand on your head. It's just another tool to help us see and feel how powerful our natural energy is and to get us back to our balanced state and who we actually really are. So things like the breath can also really help with this, as well as savasana, which is such an important pose and one that I like to do for 15 minutes or so. So here, this is where we really feel who we truly are. This is our time to feel that deep connection because during our practice, we've calmed down our mind and become so in tune with our bodies that there's no longer a separation between mind and body. We just become our inner essence, this amazing inner essence. It's like this total purity feeling and there's no distractions taking us away from that. And it's the same with Ayurveda. Both practices aim to achieve this absolute purity and authenticity of the self based on balancing our minds, our nervous systems and harnessing our own natural energy. For those of you that follow me on social media, you'll be very aware that I've been running a retreat in Menorca that combines both yoga and Ayurvedic principles. And just in doing so, it's really brought it home to me even more how much they complement each other. So on this retreat, we eat Ayurvedic food that's freshly prepared, breakfast, lunch and dinner. We do mindful Hatha yoga in the morning, where there's plenty of opportunity to pause and take note of how we're feeling. We immerse ourselves in nature and we're in a small intimate group of just six people. And uh, just all these things combined, you know, I can see the change in our guests from when they arrived to when they left. It's like they had this glow. And that's because the whole retreat is designed to be based on awareness and connection so we wake up and eat at the same time each day to get into like a natural rhythm there's a really strong sense of community with a smaller group and every meal is cooked fresh and prepared based on balancing our bodies in the summer so this combination of yoga and ayurveda is super powerful and it continues to fascinate me the more i teach because i can also feel it in myself you know i can feel that connection when i'm doing yoga so much um, and it's probably worth saying here that I'm a total perfectionist normally and most things I do have to be to a pretty high standard otherwise I can get a bit stressed out with myself but I've realised that with yoga and Ayurveda this isn't the case it's not about being a perfectionist it's not about being perfect at every yoga pose or eating Ayurvedically all the time it's just not realistic um, and I certainly don't eat Ayurvedically all the time and I have really tight hamstrings and I don't have a huge amount of flexibility and so that can stop me from doing some of the poses that I can see other people do. But that's okay because I realise that both of these practices are actually about developing inner awareness and that's all there is. 
And that's it for episode 11, short and sweet. If you're keen to find out more about my retreat in Menorca, you can find all the details on my website, smallactsofliving.com, and you can follow me on Instagram, at smallactsofliving. Thanks, everyone. And remember to stay tuned in to yourself. Until next time. Thank you.